Hi, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief here at Modern Retail, and I'm joined with Matt Gamache-Azlin, the co-founder and CEO of Alto Pharmacy. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk about a lot of things, both growing a pharmacy uh, nowadays and also just what the overall space is like because it's a it's a very high demand uh industry to be in right now but hey matt how's it going thanks for going joining us i'm doing great thanks Gail. It's great to be here yeah so first for those who don't know why don't you just give a brief overview of what alto is absolutely yeah so alto really in the days of pharmacy um and maybe so slightly different from from current pharmacies we've had this this kind of extreme focus on really the three aspects we feel really make the experience which is um, cost, right? So really minimizing cost for patients, which really will take the form of navigating insurance. Um, clinical care, which you know, if you think of a pharmacy, you I always joke like you you can be in line at a pharmacy and you know you might be picking up a Z pack for you know because you're sick, and the person in front of you might be you know getting their transplant medications, mm-hmm. right? And yet you're both using the exact same service and but to touch the same person, right? So. We've created kind of these, these specialized clinical teams that understand different disease states. And then the third piece is um, really around access and convenience. So one of the big things we do is uh, same-day delivery instead of having kind of a network of retail stores you have to go pick it up at. So we'll deliver it to your door. We, we, we've been around for about five, a bit over five years now. And we've, we've really just tried to clean up the current kind of existing retail experience at pharmacies. So do you have any retail stores or is it all just delivered? Um, so it's all primarily delivered today. We, we do have physical sites where we'll kind of fulfill the, the medications and people are welcome to come in. There's a little retail area in each one of our, our facilities. So we do have some people that want to come in and you know, that's totally fine. We, uh, we welcome it. Um, but the majority of our volume is, is delivered. So like, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is essentially like a dark store uh concept of pharmacies where it's mostly like you're fulfilling in the stores, you have the businesses there, and then it's mostly done at people's homes. Is that an incorrect summation? Yeah, it's like that's like 90% right. <laughs> I think we do have this like nice little cozy okay. uh, retail experience there just for, you know, to make that somewhat welcoming. It's not like walking into a warehouse, but um, but you know, probably 90% of it is, is more of that dark store concept. So what made you want to go into pharmacy was there was is this a passion of yours or was this it seems like it's a pretty low margin business often and there's a lot of red tape uh and so it's an interesting it's an interesting retail area to go into yeah you know i i, I joke if, if you just want to make money i don't recommend getting into the pharmacy <laughs> space <laughs> there's easier paths than that you know for for me and my co-founder jamie we um i i personally i'm canadian i grew up in ottawa canada and I initially was studying to be a doctor and I was in, in pre-med, I actually got into medical school, was kind of really ready to go down that path. And it was somewhat last minute, I decided to, to move here to Silicon Valley instead and uh, pursue the software engineering side. Um, and after a couple of years in, in Silicon Valley, my co-founder and I were both at Facebook and we felt like the promise of, hey, we're here to change the world, um, well, it was kind of not true. And there were so many companies just not really working on things we felt impacted people. And so we left with the intent of creating something we felt would have a, a kind of social impact. Um, and healthcare is obviously an interesting place to, to look at that. And given my prior interest in healthcare, we started just looking at healthcare, which would be interesting for us to apply whatever skills we have um, to something in healthcare. And 
pharmacy really stood out as something kind of unsexy that no one was really that interested in doing anything about. And yet, you know, it's a massive industry. It's a half a trillion dollars. It's an experience I think everyone would agree is bad, if not at least kind of weird, right? It's unlike any other retail experience. I love that description. That's a really good description. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's really not obvious from the outside. From the inside, it's very obvious. From the outside, it's not obvious why it hasn't been solved. It's just like, just do e-commerce for pharmacy and like you've solved all these problems. And then you tack on this fascinating um, adherence issue. Right. So in the U.S., about half of medications are taken as prescribed. Right. And a big chunk of that is because people don't even get them. And you're like, that, that's crazy. If you cleaned up the experience of pharmacy, um, which seems easy, wasn't. And it's a massive industry that you can grow forever in. You would also solve some of this adherence problem, which kills 120,000 people a year and causes hundreds of billions of dollars of waste medical spend. So it's like win, 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 win everywhere. Like we're not that smart. So like clearly we're missing something, right? Otherwise somebody would have done this. And so we approached it with that lens and we just said, let's just, we actually bought this little mom and pop pharmacy and just sat in there. So let's just learn what are we missing? Cause we have to be missing something. And so we just worked out of there until we figured that out. What did you learn while uh, owning that, that mom and pop shop? <laughs> um, really how different operationally it is from retail. Um, it, it, it is fascinatingly unique, but really the insurance system as it's kind of grown and developed, you know, by itself really over the years, over the decades has created in kind of an operational model that makes it so, so difficult because, mm-hmm. you know, unlike retail where you'll have someone buying something from someone, right? So it's a nice transaction between two people. You've got four people. Right. You've got us who are going to somewhat sell you the product. Right. But you've got someone else who ordered it, who's not the customer, who's not the patient. And you have this other person over here who is paying for it. And you have this tricky navigation of getting everyone to agree on something. Right. It's really that kind of dance that pharmacies, frankly, aren't equipped to do. They don't have the tools to do it. And they don't have the margins to just spend human hours doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is the consumer, the patient is left fending for themselves. And I, I don't know about you, but it was until I started this company, I, I have no idea how insurance companies work. And you're just like, I just want this health issue solved. Why can't you let me? Like, I, I just want the medication to help me. Why is this so complicated? Right. And really, I think that was the insight for us that it, it's just so convoluted that if we could find a way to clean this up and do this really well, um, in a cost-effective manner, then we would create this more um, e-commerce-like experience for consumers that they're used to. So how do you clean that up? Yeah. <laughs> um, this kind of goes back to, um, probably other companies have done this at this point, but I think it was unique at the time. Our, our approach, like month one, was like, hey, given this is really the problem, right? it's not delivery. People can deliver. You know, Uber does a great job with mm-hmm. driving. Like, delivery is not going to be the key here. It's going to be cleaning this up. And we're not going to do that without building software. That's what we know how to do. And so we started by rebuilding all of the internal pipes of pharmacy. So this, this pharmacy management system and all these integration points. 
Um, and you know that this has been a five year journey of building that system, and it's it's far from from done. But that's really what has allowed us to start building the automation piece, where we can take some of the human work out, and you know the operational model even that we've created. Um, you know, you think of a retail pharmacy; it's like a it's like a low scale manufacturing plant run by a PhD, mm-hmm. right? Like that's essentially what a pharmacy yeah. is. You take a thousand square foot at the back. And have someone who went to school for eight years fill bottles, which is crazy. And you're like, well, if you can so centralize that and just drive efficiency, because you know the value a patient or consumer is getting isn't you know the pills being in the bottle; it's everything else. And so the the kind of centralized nature of being able to do delivery helps us there. And then we said, well, if we centralize even further for the whole country in one or two sites, this what we call care. So really the um, you know, pricing, figuring out, you know, what your doctor prescribed, what your insurance will cover, helping you navigate that, um, then we can become really good at it. We can train staff dedicated to it. We can build systems to automate behind that. And so we've kind of just kept running that loop of, you know, have people do it, build systems to help enable them and automate some of their work and then just keep going and going. So is the business model that you you have a sort of concierge tier, you you you, you charge people who use it or sort of how how with, you know, pharmacies, often it's just that you're paying the copay and that's what you go when you go to Walgreens. How, how does it work for you? Yeah, it, it was really important. This is our intermission statement. Um, our mission is uh, fill medicine's true purpose to improve the quality of life for everyone who needs it. And um, that, that last piece for everyone who needs it was somewhat of a defensive tactic for us because, you know, we started the company in Silicon Valley, right? Which the draw is like, let's just do like an iOS app. And, you know, everyone uses iPhones, right? Who wouldn't use an iPhone? Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, this was, you know, 2015, there was the whole um, mobile first, right? That was like the big hoopla, mobile first. And we're like, you know what? We're going to be landline first. That's our mantra, landline first. And we had this wanting to create something accessible to everyone. And part of that meant we can't charge you more, yeah. right? Otherwise, we're just slicing off a demographic. And frankly, you have this inverse correlation in pharmacy where the people most in need are the people that aren't using iPhones, that can't afford to give you an extra 10 bucks a month, right? And so it's really important for us to say, hey, the price is going to be whatever you're paying at your local retail pharmacy. It's going to be nothing more. And we'll take on the burden of figuring out how do we drive enough efficiency and how we're acting so that we can give you the delivery for free, which frankly isn't that hard when you just get out of the retail you know, footprint of thousands mm-hmm. of stores. And how do we do this extra work for you um, without having you have to pay for it? And that, that's obviously been the, the biggest challenge. And frankly, it is the challenge in the space. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at new healthcare startups all the time. And it seems like they go one of two tracks. There's either a concierge model where you'll pay $150 a year and we'll do this for you. Or they just say, screw it, we're circumventing insurance. And so it's interesting that it seems like you're doing the traditional way of like, yeah, we'll work with insurance and no, you won't pay, which seems very different from any other startups that I've talked to. Yeah, that I think that's probably the primary reason that there really hasn't been as much impact from the tech world on the healthcare world, you know, loosely defined here, um, as I think there could be. And 
you know, it would be a lot easier for us to make nice margins if you just charge a price and you go cash, right? Mm-hmm. Or if we charge an extra 20, 30 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> um, but I think at the end of the day, the, the prize, so to speak, right? If you want to replace the incumbent, it's not going to be through, maybe you can start by slicing up a piece and then slowly move your way down. What we've observed, at least in, in pharmacy, which I, I don't know the rest of healthcare as well, is if you start outside of that core of insurance handling, it's so, so hard that like, it's hard to go from 70% margins to, you know, 5, 10, 15% margin, right? Yeah. It's a big shift for a business. And so if you start high, it's hard to go low. If you start low though, then you can only go up. And so we kind of took the approach of let's start with the hardest possible problem. Mm-hmm. Everything else, we can do that if we can handle this. If we can handle this, let's find out. Um, and it, it's much more of a grind for sure. But in my mind, that's the price, though, right? That, that's the half trillion dollar industry. It, it's not cash pay or people willing to pay extra money, right? And you have this beautiful um, kind of opportunity that comes out where it's like, well, frankly, if, if you're a you know, Medicaid patient, we don't have an economic preference of serving, uh, you know, patient over here who's, you know, working at Google, right? We make the same amount of money from the insurance. Frankly, sometimes often Medicaid pays more than, you know, the commercial insurance from a Google employee, right? And so we have this really nicely aligned incentive of helping and treating everyone the same and building a product for all of them because we don't make more money over here. And so we're kind of naturally drawn over here. That makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. And so you said, you know, you were focusing on the first gnarly problem of, creating a more, I guess, streamlined streamlined and efficient way of handling the, the, the insurance part of pharmacies. And if that works, you'll go to, go to other things. What are the other things? Are, how are you approaching those if you are? Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of the, the obvious things you would assume, right? I, none of this we're, we're, we're doing today or, or frankly even like have the, the immediate docket. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I obviously like if we can really nail this insurance piece, you know, over the counter meds, it's an obvious place for us to, to move more and more into over time. That'd be cool. Um, I actually think the insurance part is fa- space is fascinating, right? How, how might we play a part there? Mm. It, something I think is understated is um, or underused really today is pharmacists and technicians have more frequent interactions with patients than any other Medicare, medical provider or healthcare provider in the country, right? We'll see you at least once a month and, you know, very few people see their, even their doctor once a month, right? And so how might we leverage this deep connection and relationship we have with patients for more than just really what retail pharmacies leverage that frequency for, right? Selling whatever else, goods in the stores, Christmas decorations, whatever it might be. So how might we leverage this relationship for healthcare benefit, right? How, how can you kind of pivot a pharmacy to be more healthcare focused, um, right? And I think however we can do that and work with payers um, in the insurance space, that, that's a really fascinating area to me. You know, we'll see what that becomes. You know, there's a lot of these um, kind of what I think of as lifestyle um, pharmacy companies mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you're selling kind of a, a, a low cost of good uh, prescription product that, you know, requires some clinical oversight, but not a huge amount, right? You're not, you know, giving away, you know, oncology meds direct to consumer here, where you're giving away, you know, hair loss meds, birth control. That's great. You know, actually, frankly, in California, birth control can be prescribed by a pharmacist now, 
right? So you have a lot of these meds that need some oversight, but not a huge amount. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's great. The problem there is like the cost is super, super high, right? And they're kind of hiding the fact that these, these medications are, you know, frankly, cents per pill, not, not, not dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and the insurance would pay for the whole thing, give you a zero or $5 copay. Um, but, you know, getting to the insurance world is hard for this company. So I, maybe we can you know, play a role there and help you do that through your insurance. And that way it's, it's free, right? That'd be great. Um, we, we, we've primarily focused on um, relationship with providers. And I think there's a lot more we can do there as we, as we grow. And how do we continue to empower and help physicians to do what they do best and take away more and more of this administrative burden um, they have, especially related to pharmacies. Um, that, that's been a fascinating space since the beginning. And I think there's a lot more we can do there and really having this integrated model, right? Where you as a patient don't feel like you had the doctor over here on the right. And then they just threw something over on the left to, um, to your pharmacy, right? How, how do we give you this really nicely coordinated model? Um, but I, frankly, it's, it's like an endless, <laughs> this has been a space where we don't have opportunity. It's just been, how can we, how can I, as an entrepreneur, focus enough to get sort of this core really to the finish line first? You mentioned the direct connection that uh, the pharmacists or the pharmacies have with consumers, and that's perhaps an area that you're looking into. And I feel like in the last six months, uh, incumbents have been, whether successfully or not, like trying to focus on that. I feel like Walgreens and CVS have announced rebrands and they're they're cutting down their retail merchandise, but also making it so that they're quote unquote customer centric. Like what are, what are your sort of reactions to that? How is the competitive landscape changing? Is is it going more customer centric? Is that just lip service? What, what do you think is happening here? Um, that's a good question. You know, it's... Um... It's interesting. Really, all these companies are much, I think, very different from each other, much more so than I think it appears from the outside. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you think of Walmart, and, and I think Walmart is a really fascinating player in the space because they really have pharmacies for the purpose of the, the broader retail store, right? It's, it's a giant retail empire. Um, and it's really a way of, you know, combining services, having you be able to, to go to Walmart and fill all those needs, sort of continue to, to keep that relationship with those those, those consumers. Um, and they've started more and more to try and get into health with sort of varied amounts of success. Um, and I, you know, they're a smaller player in pharmacy than, than the Walgreens CVS of the world. But I actually think that's kind of an interesting um, idea because they kind of have this giant captive audience. I think it's, it's really kind of cool. The, the clinic ideas is really interesting as well. Um, you can, I feel like they can really help serve their current customer base really well. Um, but, you know, we'll see if they can do it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Walgreens CBSs of the world, I, I really think it, it's a retail footprint problem, right? It's just so vast because that was for a long time the way you won, right? It is like... You'll go to the closest. It's, it's such a commodity that if, you know, from your house, the Walgreens is the closest, that's who wins, right? So they just got into a war of footprint. And it is, the margins, to your point, are very low. And so it's hard to try and cram in, like, it's fairly complicated operation without really the software tools to do it efficiently with pharmacists involved, which are highly paid scientists, right? Um in a store, right? the one retail PhD job I know of is, is pharmacist. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't know how to get out of that. 
um, but that'll be their challenge in my mind. CVS is very different, right? Because it's really an insurance company, mm-hmm. right? With with Aetna and Caremark, um, so they have a bit of a different, um, you know, I think ability to to finagle around. Um, you know, then you have really what I'm most excited about is is kind of the new entrance to the space, especially a company like Amazon, yeah. um, who can I mean, you know, it's half a trillion dollar space, right? So like, <laughs> it's going to take a long time. Uh, but I think they can be a bit of a wedge to drive change, um, which is just clearly sorely needed, right? And I have no, I, I don't think Alto will be a half a trillion dollar revenue company in the next five years. So um, the, the more we can just like drive a wedge for change, the better. And hopefully that drives the incumbents to, to change too, right? Like the, the whole point here is something needs to happen. So the more people try, the better. So speaking of wedges for change, can you talk about just sort of the last 10, 11 months? Did that, I imagine with uh, quarantine, people stuck at home that created influx of demand for for delivery pharmacies. What, what, what did you sort of experience? How did you sort of deal with whatever came your way? Well, yeah, it's definitely been a bit of a roller coaster. You know, I, I, I describe it as for us specifically, it's been a mix of tailwinds and headwinds, right? So you know, there's the obvious this is true of any um, sort of non-physical retail company, right? It's been just a, a surge in demand coming from people that are stuck at home. Um, in the early days, especially here in California, of the the, the, the pandemic with the lockdowns, some pharmacies were actually closed, mm-hmm. which is really horrible because your, your prescription isn't at CVS or Walgreens, the company. It's at the store. Mm-hmm. And you can't even transfer it out because no one's picking up the phone. And so a lot of people were, 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 frankly, quite in a bad position. And we helped a lot of patients just contacting their doctors and getting new prescriptions and be able to deliver it to them. Um, and we've kind of seen th- that surge continue throughout the year. Um, the, the headwind has been the physician offices, which um, is really most of our partnerships are with clinics and physicians and hospitals. And um, that's been kind of harder and harder for them to just know how to operate their business. And that's stabilized quite a bit. But especially in the early days, like a lot of our, our clinic partners, like I, I don't know how to operate my company anymore, right? My, my, my office, like how do I do this telehealth thing? How do I get reimbursed for it? How does that work, mm-hmm. right? How do I help my patients figure out how to use it? What's Zoom, right? And so um, we actually spent a lot of time ourselves figuring out how to do that and then teaching them, right? Just so we could help them get back on, on their feet. Um, and so that's kind of been the, the push and pull for us, but... Um, you know, I, I think it's probably really like most companies in, in kind of more of the, the offline, to on, the online to offline space. It, it's been an accelerant by a few years for, for what was inevitable anyway. Was it an accelerant to your specific plans or just for the space, would you say? I would say, yeah, probably a bit for both. Um, you know, pharmacy, unlike, you know, if you take like food delivery, which probably had the most of <laughs> search of anyone, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's a much higher friction change for consumers. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, um, it's a very trust-based change because of that friction, right? It's not like, you know, I can go use Uber Eats and if I start not liking them, I can just go use DoorDash. And if I start not liking them, then I can go back to the restaurant, right? And there, there's zero cost to me to change. Um, what is pharmacies, you know, patients, especially in, in more complex chronic conditions, will really start, you know, saying, okay, well, I, I've got my five medications. I figured out the pricing for all of them at this pharmacy and I'm really scared to change it because I don't know what's going to happen to the price. And if I don't get my meds every month, 
like I'm going to be in danger, in physical danger, mm-hmm. right? So you really have to build that trust with patients, providers, the communities often um, before they'll, they'll allow you to take care of them, right? And um, th- that I think has kind of tampered the, the kind, of, kind of energetic surge you've seen in other spaces where it, this is just like another like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll consider changing. Um, but it doesn't just fully say like, oh yeah, because the pandemic screwed, I'm not going to go to the pharmacy. And so has your, is your growth focus now on this kind of education and customer acquisition? Is it on getting more partners? Is it on launching in new cities? Sort of what, 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 what have your plans been for the last few months and where do you see 2021 going? Yeah. So frankly, our plans haven't changed that much. Um, you know, we, we are regionally based, right? So we open up centers in a region. We serve, you know, usually a, a medium-sized area around that, that facility and that, that's the, the consumers will will serve. Um, we'll grow through a mix of, of direct consumer marketing as well as, as physician partnerships and clinic partnerships. Um, and it, it's such a big space, right? Like the Bay Area is about $12 billion of pharmacy spend that we haven't had to say, well, let's launch a bunch of sites so we can continue to show good growth. It's just like we can grow forever in just the area. Um, but we also want to be able to serve more and more people. And so let's make sure we're in this cadence of expanding our geographical footprint over time. But let's not get you know disorderly about it um, and just burn cash for nothing, right? And so we, we've kind of had a fairly sustained and disciplined approach to launching new sites. Um, we're ramping up to 12 sites by um, mid this year, mid 2021. That's our year, <laughs> mid 2021. Um, and uh, that's kind of the current focus. I think we've got about seven, eight launched right now. Um, and you know, probably pose that 12 will we'll probably take a little bit of a break. It is quite a large, large lift, just mm-hmm. licensing and, and, and all the work to get these launched. Take a little break and then you know, just keep adding a couple every quarter um, as we grow. And really the focus on growth for us has been in the cities we're in, right? How do we make sure we have um, the right disease states we're targeting, we have the expertise in-house, we're operationally sound, um, and how do we kind of sustainably grow the ability to to ingest more volume um, in kind of a disciplined fashion. Really, we've been um, an operationally constrained company, not a growth constrained company. Mm -hmm. Um, As long as we've had the capacity and ability to serve patients, we've been able to add more patients. Whenever we've struggled to to operate and we've had mistakes or we're we're trying to get our legs under us, then it's been difficult to grow. And so really, by 90% of of my mind share has been on operations rather than growth for the last five, six years. Mm Mm-hmm. And so can you talk about, about how profitability works? Is are you are you profitable? Is it on a region by region basis? And is it that as you hit a certain velocity and volume, that's when the economics work out? Sort of how, how do you approach all of that? Yeah, also company profitability, uh, we're not we're not profitable today. Uh, we look more at the kind of individual mm-hmm. um, kind of disease states we're in and the profitability level there. And I think unlike um, Kevin Uber, DoorDash, kind of these sort of classic, very regionally based companies where the operational costs are regionally based. Ours are much more centralized, right? Because the, the fulfillment centers, um, and the, the little, these little pharmacies that we put down are actually not that expensive and not very big, right? They're a few thousand square feet. It's a staff of, you know, maybe 10 people at most. 
Um, and we've really taken a bulk of the work and centralized it. And so that cost gets kind of shared across every site. And so as we get more and more efficient, every site gets the benefit of it. You do need to get to a certain volume of, of density for delivery, um, as well as density for, for operational costs in those facilities. Um, so that goes down with volume, but you know, you need you know one or two pharmacies worth of volume um, for that for that those economics to be you know, perfectly fine. It's really centrally to where we focused the bulk of our efforts, and um, at this point we've gotten that down to a point where we're comfortable with the, the economics, and there's going to be a you know Amazon style just keep improving a few percent every quarter for forever. Um, but really, the focus right now is how do we make the service better and the the reliability better? How do we keep getting the cost down, and how do we just march ahead as we grow scale. Got it. This was something I was talking with a, a colleague of mine earlier, and it's kind of a little a little far afield, but I, I wanted to just sort of get your thoughts on this. And so with the, the vaccine rollout, do you think that that's going to have an impact on the traditional pharmacies because many of them are going to be like administering them? Do you think that's going to be sort of uh, <laughs> help them out because people will be having to come in? It was just sort of a thing we were talking about. And so I would love to hear your thoughts about whether that's going to, you know, create a wrinkle that people might not have thought about. It could, I suppose, you know, like pharmacies have always been one of the big source of flu vaccines, yeah. right? You'll just go to the pharmacy, get a flu vaccine, grocery stores, mm-hmm. um, employers do that a lot now too. Um, I, I could see that, that being kind of a, a nice little tailwind for them. You know, the, the, I try not to think too much in, in, in months or weeks, right? Like maybe <laughs> that'll be like a nice couple months, um, but it, it's kind of more of a year over year trend. I, I don't think is, is changing, right? Um, so yeah, it could be a slight help for them. Well, yeah, I could see that. My, my, my guess is really, we'll see how this vaccine kind of scaling effort goes, but, you know, really we should be as broad in our, availability of it as we can once we have the, mm-hmm. the, the, the stock, right? And, um, you know, the cold chain stuff makes it harder, but I really hope we start seeing kind of this employer-driven model as well, right? We can have a site and just go to the office and get your vaccine um, and we'll administer that. Like, we should have as many touch points for it as possible. I mean, if the lab would have like a food truck with vaccines and just great, go line up, right? Like, <laughs> let's get this over with. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, all right, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask uh, just sort of what, you know, going into 2021, you said that you sort of your view is into the half of the year that you're going to be adding more sites. Can you talk about sort of how you decide where these new hubs are? Is it just density to sort of how you're approaching sort of all of these sort of future reaching growth plans? Yeah, th- there's a couple of factors. You know, frankly, it's it's it, it's big enough of a market where kind of any city of any decent size is so large of, of, of revenue base that it doesn't matter. And humans are mostly the same in all these cities. And there'll be a vaguely similar mix of meds. Like it, it's, it's, we don't have to worry so much about population density as long as you go after, you know, call it the top 80% of the country um, where it's, it's, it's fairly simple to, to, to scale in. What we've looked more at is um, regulation. And so, you know, California, for example, we started in San Francisco. It's much easier for us to launch in Los Angeles than to launch in you know, New York City, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's, it's a whole different use set of laws we have to deal with. Um, you know, the, the pharmacists need both licenses. There's a lot of complexity to that. And so we've tried to take it state and cover the state before moving on. And we've 
done kind of exceptions out of that when there's been a partner pulling us into it or there's been kind of a unique opportunity, a unique set of clinics where, hey, we really want to work with you and we'll help you launch with our partnership. Um, so we've done that a few times. You know, Las Vegas is, is actually one of these where we have a site in Las Vegas and that was sort of being pulled by a partner. Um, but otherwise, we're trying to, to take state by state, cover the region um, before moving on to the next state. That kind of helps reduce complexity as you're growing into it. Got it. All right. Well, Matt, this has been a really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you so much, Gail. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week.